back here at Harvest Baptist Church tonight and, and uh, be with you through the week and uh, thankful to see all of you and uh, always a joy to get back and uh, visit and uh, see my uh, mom and Craig and Marge and Ken and uh, always fun to spend time with them and, and uh, get to worship the Lord here at Harvest Baptist Church. And uh, it's a joy to serve God and to live for the Lord. And uh, thankful for my wife, Jamie, and Kent, and Ariel, and uh, what the Lord's done uh, with us and, and uh, help the kids to grow and mature and develop. And uh, thankful to serve the Lord there in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, reaching people there and conducting ministry and uh, being a blessing to others and uh, preaching the word and helping people uh, to grow spiritually. We're thankful for what the Lord's doing there in Omaha. And, uh, and you know, as churches experience different seasons of growth and development and uh, some of the things that <clears throat> we're involved in right now and, and uh, seeing God do is uh, there's a young man that lives in Kansas City and he has his church home back home in Kansas City, but he goes to a, uh, actually it's a Jesuit college in Omaha that's known for a number of its uh, uh, colleges, particularly the dental school, the business school. And he's there at the business school when he trusted Christ about 18 or 24 months ago or so and has just been really been on fire for God uh, since trusting Christ and has really appreciated a walk with the Lord. And, uh, and I've been meeting with him uh, on my lunch hour to go through the ABCs of Christian growth with him, answer questions, help him to grow. And uh, as a result, uh, he was able to get a lot of questions answered and uh, went back home and got baptized, joined his church, and uh, then really had a burden for uh, his classmates who uh, a lot of the people that he knows, either they're lost or they're in contemporary churches that quite honestly, don't mean to be ugly or anything, but they're a mile wide and an inch deep. And uh, these kids, they don't know how to study their Bibles, even though they go to church all the time and the Bible is uh, supposedly preached and taught, and, uh, so, but they don't understand how to study or how to apply the Bible to life and to actually dig into, say, you know, the Old Testament or Proverbs and take and apply it to life. And so he's been working with his classmates. Here he is, you know, knowing the Lord for 18, 24 months, and he's helping others to grow spiritually and really had a burden for his classmates and, and reaching them and decided that uh, the Lord had laid it on his heart to start a Bible study there at this Jesuit university uh, to help his classmates grow in the Lord and to know the Lord uh, for those that don't. And uh, we're thankful to have a, a role in that and to pray for that and to see God use him. And, and they've been meeting, I think, for about four or five weeks now. And, and the Lord has opened up a lot of good conversations for him with his classmates that uh, would never have taken place had he not uh, stepped forward by faith to start this Bible study and, uh, and give the, the classmates an opportunity to ask questions and to study with them. Also thankful for our teen group at, at church. Uh, the kids are growing and, uh, and thinking and asking really good questions uh, about spiritual things that I, I have not observed them asking about in uh, past years. So seeing a lot of evidence there of uh, growth and development in the generation to come. Amen. And, uh, and that has been an emphasis of, of my wife and I now for several years in uh, seeking to reach the generation uh, that is after us. 
uh, if there is hope for America or the world, uh, then it's through the youth of today, and uh, we're burdened for that and, uh, and doing something about it there in Omaha. Uh, we uh, just sang the, the hymn that, uh, where it says, Jesus knows all our troubles, amen? Uh, raise your hand if you ever have any troubles, okay? Well, it's a majority, so I think we're probably safe with the message tonight, and, uh, and God can uh, help us through troubles, and it's important uh, to have the right attitude in troubles. And of course, as a, a Christian, when we're talking about our attitude, we're not just talking about attitude and you know, the earthly sense, but our faith in God as we approach troubles. And uh, troubles will come. I believe Jacob said that man is a few days and uh, full of trouble, right? And uh, so it's not uncommon to have troubles. And uh, the Bible says that Jesus said that all those that shall live godly shall suffer tribulation. So we can be assured that trouble will come, the tribulation will come, there will be difficulties, there will be challenges in life, there will be seasons of life where things are well, seasons of life where things are not well. And uh, how we approach those things uh, with our attitude or our faith, our outlook and perspective is so important to have the right spirit. So tonight we're going to preach from uh, Book of Numbers, chapter 13. If you want to turn with me there, uh, Numbers chapter 13. If I could just get a little bit of water tonight, I'd really appreciate that if someone could help me uh, with that. Numbers chapter 13, and uh, picking up here in verse 1. We're going to preach tonight uh, for just a few moments about uh, Caleb and Joshua and the spirit that they had. And uh, there was a great challenge ahead of the Israel and ahead of Caleb and Joshua. And what we're going to see tonight is Caleb and Joshua, as the Bible says, had another spirit. Had another spirit. So there was one spirit, a spirit of resistance, a spirit of fear, a spirit of lack of faith. And then there was Caleb and Joshua. They had another spirit, a spirit of faith and determination and, and a, a resolve, thank you, sir, and a resolve to go forward by faith in spite of troubles. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Numbers 13 in verse 1. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man. Every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And then drop down to verse 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you for being a wonderful God to us. We're thankful that you are with us uh, in troubles and trials and, uh, and testings, and we're thankful, Lord, that uh, through faith and the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, uh, that we can have another spirit, a spirit of determination and effort and resolve in the face of problems and trials. And I do pray that you'd help us, Lord, to achieve that and pursue it and desire it in spite of the weakness of our flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, this passage is speaking of uh, Caleb and Joshua and the other uh, ten that went into Canaan land at Moses' command to uh, spy out the land and investigate and uh, determine what was in the land and, uh, and who was in the land. And so first night we're seeing their reconnaissance, the reconnaissance. They're making a recon mission into Canaan land to find out what is there. And we pick up in verse 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rahab as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron where Ahaman, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshkel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eshkel because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and shewed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. God had delivered Israel from Egypt, took them through that time of wandering in the wilderness, and uh, now they're at the edge of Canaan, uh, the land that God had promised to give them. And as we have just read about Caleb and Joshua, the other 10, they have traveled into uh, Canaan land uh, to find out what's there and who is there. And they bring back the report. They've conducted the reconnaissance, and they bring back uh, the report. And uh, well, Caleb and Joshua were the exception. The other ten had a really negative, down-in-the-mouth 
report that was uh, full of fear and uh, negativity and uh, really didn't demonstrate any kind of faith, but was really just focused on problems. And they said that the land is good, but there's a lot of enemies in the land. There are giants in the land. There are so many formidable uh, obstacles and armies in the land. It would be impossible to take the land that God has already promised us. And then we see the response by the congregation. So these 10 bring back their report. They share it with the entire congregation. And we see their response in chapter 14 and verse 1. Chapter 14 and verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephthah, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Notice their response here is first to rebel against God. Uh, God brought them here. God promised to bring them into Canaan land. God directed them here. God brought them all the way through the wilderness to, to get them to this place. And now they don't want God's direction. And they don't want God's leadership any longer. And they were rebelling against God. As, uh, as uh, uh, Joshua points out and Caleb point out in verse 9, only rebel not. This is not merely just a complaint uh, about some giants, but this is actually rejection of God in his plan for them. Mired in their problems, they can't see how they're actually responding spiritually in this situation, and they are losing track of the fact of their rebellion against the Lord. And they also are seeking to rebel against Moses and Aaron. They blame Moses' leadership for bringing them through the wilderness to Canaan land, where they feel like they have now been positioned by Moses to face uh, being eliminated, of uh, being exterminated here in this new land. And they threaten to kill him and, uh, and appoint a new captain, a new leader. 
And then in verse 5, we see Moses and Aaron respond. They fall on their faces before God in prayer, praying for the people that have done so foolishly. You know, it's remarkable that the people hear the report and react with anger and rebellion. And Moses and Aaron, they hear the report, they see the response of the people, and they respond with prayer. Amen? I mean, it just goes to show you the, the difference in the spiritual walk that they each chose. So we see the response of the multitude, but then we also see God's response to the multitude. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. Say unto them, this is the Lord speaking through Moses, say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless he shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephuna, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness." And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die." And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. We see God's response here to their rebellion against him and against Moses and Aaron. And God killed the ones that searched the land and then complained about Moses. And for every day that they spent in the, this land that God had promised them and had searched it out, for every one of those 40 days, God promised that they will now wander in the wilderness for one year for one day. In other words, they searched the promised land for 40 days. Now they'll wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And anyone that was a male and over 20 years of age would die in the wilderness over the course of those 40 years. Anyone under 20 would enter into the promised land. And the very ones that they were so worried about that would become a prey in the promised land, their children, the young ones, the ones that they, they claimed they were worried about, it would, it would not be they that would be destroyed, but rather it would be all those over 20 that would be destroyed. And anyone under 20, they would actually be preserved. And that we see the parallel in the New Testament where it says, except ye come as a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Amen. Here are these that uh, were considered defenseless, that were considered uh, weak and uh, considered vulnerable, uh, but it wasn't they that brought the complaint. It wasn't they that brought the fear and the doubt and the rebellion. And, uh, and so it was actually these young ones that would be spared 
not the, only, not the older ones that trusted only in themselves and not the Lord. Verse 39, verse 39, And Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and gathered them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. Israel felt bad about believing this evil report, wanting new leadership and rebelling and thought, uh, they could mount an attack against the Amorites and the Hivites anyway, even given their lack of faith and their rebellious heart. And, uh, and Moses warned them and said, don't go up, the Lord's not with you. Uh, but they presume uh, to go up anyway, and so off they go, and they're soundly defeated without the presence of God. Certainly it is an uphill battle without the presence of God. And we see that was God's response to them. So what's the remedy? So here they are with this negative report that they bring and they discourage and they discomfort the minds of all Israel. Uh, what is the remedy? Uh, we find it here in chapter 13 and verse 30. Back up to chapter 13 and verse 30. Where it says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to over." Comet. And then chapter 14 and verse 7, continuing those thoughts, chapter 14 and verse 7. And they, Caleb and Joshua, spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Finally, verse 24 in chapter 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Caleb and Joshua, as it says in verse 24, had another spirit. They had another spirit. They had a different perspective. They had a different attitude. They had a different view of God and a different view of their problems. And it was far better than the attitude and the view and the lack of faith presented by the other 10. We can see this. Amen. Truly, they definitely had another spirit with them. And let me just pause there for a second. One spirit bleeds through their lives. Our spirit bleeds through our lives. Our spirit, our, our, 
our, our walk with God, uh, our uh, perspective on life, our perspective about uh, the challenges that we face in life, our perspective on victories and defeats in our lives, uh, that is all wrapped up in this word, one spirit. And when it says they had, they had another spirit, it, it indicates they had a different attitude, a different uh, perspective on life. And it was driven by the relationship with God. It was driven by their trust in God. And our spirit, our attitude, what we project to our coworkers, what we project to our family members, what we project uh, to our fellow church members, what we project uh, to the community, it all comes from our spirit. Who we really are, what we believe about God, and how that shapes our response to life is all encapsulated in our spirit. You know, one spirit is so vital. One spirit and attitude towards life is so, so important. Because as we already voted unanimously, we all have troubles. Amen? But our spirit, as we see in this account, is seldom unanimous. One's spiritual response, one's response with one's attitude and resolve and perspective is hardly the same as someone else's. You have to choose what is going to be my response, what's going to be my attitude, what's going to be my perspective about my troubles. Amen? And we see that it needs to be another spirit, a spirit of Caleb and Joshua. Consider with me tonight this remedy of having another spirit, okay? So the, t- the 12 go into the land, okay? You've got your 10 with the negative report. You've got Caleb and Joshua, the two, with, with the minority report. We've got the majority report and the minority report, right? It's like the Supreme Court has a majority report, minority report, and their uh, decisions. And, uh, and here, the 10, they go into the land, and they bring back their report. What do they talk about? What do they talk about in the verses that we read tonight? They talk about the giants. They talk about all the Ivites and the Izites and the termites and the parasites and everything that they're going to face and everything that's bad, they talk about that. What did Joshua and Caleb talk about? They come back and they talk about God. They talk about the Lord is with us. They say they're def- they, are, they said about these giants in the land that they are utterly defenseless against God. Their, their focus is on the Lord while the 10 are focused on problems. The 10 saw opposition, and Caleb and Joshua see opportunity. Amen? Isn't that remarkable? How, how on earth could 12 people go into a land, see and experience the exact same thing, and come out with completely different perspectives? Truly another spirit. You see the difference the spirit makes? Amen? And we all have troubles, right? What kind of spirit do you want to bring against your troubles? Do you want the spirit and attitude of the 10, or do you want the spirit and attitude of Caleb and Joshua? Which do you think is going to help you more emotionally? Which is going to help you more in your health? Amen? As we read in Proverbs, 
We read in Proverbs uh, that our attitude, our, our perspective is health to the bones. Amen? There is a direct physical relationship between our attitude, our perspective, and our uh, emotional engine as it relates to our health. Amen? The ten saw giants. Joshua and Caleb saw God. They saw opposition. Jacob and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb saw opportunities. And let me tell you something. Caleb and Joshua didn't hide their heads in the sands and pretend to ignore the dangers. Amen? It's not like they, they said, oh, you know, it's, it's no big deal. It's, uh, you know, uh, it's a nice land. You know, we didn't see anything bad. No, they, they didn't ignore the dangers. They were well aware of the giants. They didn't ignore the problems. But they didn't ignore God either. They didn't leave God out of their response. When you read, when you read the verses, read over again later if you'd like, you read over the verses of the report by the ten, God is not mentioned once. Not once in all those verses. In all the lists, and they came up with a wonderful list of problems and opposition, and it's long. Caleb and Joshua, they've got a short list of solutions, and it's all about God. Amen? God was completely missing from the majority report, but God was the central focus of the minority report because Caleb and Joshua had another spirit. And then thirdly, Caleb and Joshua compared the dangers to God and rejoiced and were encouraged. They saw the giants, they saw the, all the people of the land and the formal enemies that they were, and, but then they compared those things, those problems, their problems, they compared their troubles to their God and found, you know what, we're victorious because we're looking at God. We're focused on the Lord. As we see in, in the book of Hebrews that we are reminded to keep our, our minds stayed on the author and finisher of our faith, who is Jesus Christ, uh, the origin, the author of our faith, and, and the finisher, the completer, the one that makes our faith possible, to keep our eyes stayed on him, lest we grow weary in our minds. You know what it's talking about, about growing weary in your minds? Unless you grow weary in your perspective and your attitude and your approach to life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen? Keep your focus on God in your troubles, lest you grow weary in your mind. Compare all of your problems to God. Amen? Uh, compare your problems to Jesus Christ, to his power, to his omnipotence, uh, to his, his uh, all of his wisdom and, uh, and the fact that he is all powerful and you will see, wait a minute, what am I afraid of? I have victory. So they, Caleb and Joshua compared their dangers to God. The 10, however, compared the dangers to themselves. When you read through their account and their description of the account, they are talking about how they will be defeated, how they cannot win, how they'll never be able to get in that land and ever do anything uh, for God in that land. They'll never be able to amount to anything with all these problems, and they just compare all their problems to themselves, to their abilities, to their strength, uh, and to their power, 
And you know what happens when you're going through your troubles and you start comparing all of your troubles to your ability to calculate and manage and, and, uh, and manipulate all your problems? You'll quickly become defeated in your mind because you're thinking all is lost and everything is hopeless. Amen? I'm telling you what, folks, we don't have it under control. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the strength. But God didn't design us to have all the answers or all the strength. He designed us to trust in him who does. Amen. Caleb and Joshua, at some point, figured that out. You've got to figure this thing out. Amen. This thing called life. And realize the troubles are coming. That's a certainty. But my response, my perspective, my resolve, my attitude, that is not certain. That's not a given. I have to consciously, daily make the choice. I have to take this to God. I must lean to, on God. I must seek God or I am through. Amen? The two groups saw the same things, but how differently the facts appear to those who live by faith and those that live by calculation. That was the remedy. And we see their resolve. Their resolve. You know, here's Caleb and Joshua. Uh, they, they said, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. You know, they knew God has a place of blessing for them. Verse 24 but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went and his seed shall possess it. God has a place of blessing for them. But we've got to realize God has a place of blessing for us. God has a place of blessing for each one of you. There is something God would have for you to do. There is some place, some activity. Uh, there, there is something for you to accomplish. There is something for you to be that God would have you to be. That is your Canaan. Amen? I mean, none of us here are physically traipsing through a wilderness area somewhere around Israel and, and uh, looking for some fresh grapes. That's not our Canaan. That was their Canaan. That's not our Canaan. There's something you need to do. There's something God has for you to do. Something God, someone God wants you to become. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. I will take you who are not fishers of men and I will make you into being somebody who you are not, but someone who you desire to be, but you cannot be without me, but I will do this and I will do this through you. And so there's a Canaan for each one of us. But to get to our Canaan, it's going to require the same thing of us that it required of Caleb and Joshua, and that is another spirit. And there's going to be a, a, an opposite Spirit as well, a spirit of resistance, a spirit of doubt, a spirit of despair. But we've got to determine, I don't want that spirit. I, won't, I will not allow myself to dwell in that spirit. You know, the majority of Christians today will not have the spirit of victory and a spirit of triumph in the cause of Christ. They, they won't. They don't want it. They don't seek after it. So you're going to have to find another spirit. You'll probably be in the minority, even amongst believers. Amen? 
as Caleb and Joshua were in the minority. Some canons in the Christian life that require another spirit, a victory, you know, uh, it just could be uh, your, your own spirit, your own attitude needs to be conquered. Could be something that hinders Christian growth. Could be something in your marriage, something in parenting, of something in ministry. I don't know what it is. Uh, there could be giants to overcome, whether it's addiction or uh, some generational problems in your family, some tragedy that you face in life. I don't know what it might be, but by faith in the Lord, by a perspective, by a resolve of one's spirit, it can be overcome. And you know, Israel, eventually, after 40 years in the wilderness and wiping out all the negativity and all the wrong spirit, came out and then did have victory. As we read in Joshua 11, in verses 21 through 22, I won't read it tonight, but they went on to have victory, and they fought battles, and they won. And then lastly tonight, the relationship. There is a resolve. There needs to be a resolve, but there needs to be the relationship. It will be hard to overcome all the giants. You know, think about Israel as they came out of Egypt and, uh, and they came into uh, this, this wilderness, and, uh, and they came up to Canaan the first time, and that was when they went, sent in the spies. And then they spent four years in the wilderness, and then they came back to Canaan land the second time, and this time they crossed over Jordan and went in. But on this first uh, survey trip, this first reconnaissance, and they brought back this report, uh, it, it seemed just impossible for them at least for the 10, to have victory. And they had a lot of things stacked against them. You know, think about where they're coming from. They just came out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt, right? Uh, they have no military training. They didn't have a, a, a king leading them or training them in a battle. Uh, they had just endured four centuries, uh, four centuries of oppression and servitude. And, uh, and what God required them to do to get where they needed to go uh, was something, number one, they never did before. And number two, would require greater faith in the Lord than any other time in their life to this point. And how we might find ourselves like them needing to go and pursue and accomplish something we've never done before. Maybe your Canaan requires you to have greater faith than you ever had before. Amen? And how we are like them in that we, can have, we do have some advantages. You know, that might have been their, their past in Egypt, but now in the wilderness... They had their manna in the morning, they had the pillar of fire at night, and they had the cloud by day to lead them, to direct them. We have a Savior at the right hand of God that makes intercession for us. We have God, the Holy Spirit, uh, working in us and empowering us and leading us, and a Heavenly Father that never forgets us so that we can get to our Canaan. We can have the right perspective. And how the ten are like the average Christian that hears God's call but thinks God's leading is too dangerous and difficult to go forward. Can I tell you, if you look for dangers in the road of life, you're going to find them every time. 
If you look for problems and reasons why not to do something, you'll find it every time. But then what? Disobey God? Don't go forward by faith? The dangers of disobedience, abandoning God, and going forward by faith are far more dangerous than going into uncharted territory under the divine protection and direction of Almighty God. Amen? The dangers of disobedience and abandoning God and not going forward by faith are far more dangerous than going into uncharted territory but having the divine protection and direction of Almighty God. It's hard to be a Christian, but when we abandon God our strife and problems will certainly multiply. And we won't have the peace of knowing that in spite of difficulty, we are in God's will. We are pursuing our Canaan. We're going after our giants. And we're determined to be victorious because we have another spirit. May God help us to have the spirit, perception, the resolve, the attitude of victory. Amen? and to look into God by faith, getting strength from Him, because we know troubles are going to come just like they always have. So let's approach it with another spirit. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you for your grace and mercy. We're grateful tonight uh, for your grace that strengthens us, uh, even when we don't deserve it in ways that uh, we never knew we could have it. And we do pray, Lord, that you would meet the needs of the folks here tonight. Uh, we took a unanimous vote that we all have troubles. But Lord, let us react unanimously as well uh, to the certainty of troubles with the determination to have a resolve and an attitude of victory and, uh, and trust in God and strength from the Lord uh, to follow you through our Canaan to become who we need to become and to see the victory in our lives that we desire to have and that God desires to bring. We pray for that in Jesus' name, amen.